Welcome, fans and viewers, to the newest podcast at PlayStation Universe, the Racially Diverse Gaming Hour. Welcome tonight, I am your host with the most, Dane Smith, and I have probably the most racially diverse gaming cast in North America. With us is Ernest, don't call me a girl, Lynn. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Um, I get called, like, a girl about a lot of things. Um, taste music, uh, the fact I like salads, so <laughs> I'm kind of used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I just I demasculated myself on air. <laughs> I just said that because of your last name. Oh, Lynn. <laughs> yeah, because that's a girl's name. Because it's a girl's name. <laughs> but... hey, don't don't be embarrassed about salad. I'm a vegetarian, so hey. yeah. I mean, I like salad. Salad's great. Salad's where it's at. All right, and then with us also, as you just heard, Glenn, the Commissioner Gordon. How is uh? How is being in Batman's shadow? Man, someday, someday soon, it's going to happen. I will surpass the bat. You, you I'm even, doing... You even take that? a bullet. You even take a bullet for the mayor, and yet you're still overshadowed. Exactly. I mean, what's the guy got to do? What's the guy got to do? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Um, back here in Tennessee, after my winter break in Orlando, where I live, and... Well, college has started, so I guess I'm about as good as I can be. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I, life's life's all right. Excellent. And with us from the past is Gary in Soviet in Soviet Russia. Podcast ends. You bagged Osarov. <laughs> I'm sorry. How are you today, Gary from Soviet Russia? It is pretty cold here. It's snowing right now. And what is the uh, temperature over there? It is about 20 degrees. Pretty cold. 20 degrees Fahrenheit or Celsius? Fahrenheit. What's what's it in Celsius? I do not know this. Fun fact about Canada. (laughs) We (laughs) use Celsius up here. So I don't know what 20 degrees. 20 degrees sounds like bikini weather to me. Well, like, if you think, okay, so zero degrees is freezing point. That's 30 degrees Fahrenheit. So, it's below zero Celsius. So it's super cold. <laughs> super yeah. cold. Okay, right. I've, I've gone ahead and looked this up. Alright, that's negative 6.5, or 6.6 degrees Celsius. Negative 6. Okay. Celsius. So, bikini weather for the Soviet Union still. <laughs> Isn't that right, Gary? If you want to say that, I don't think you'd like it here very much. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. So, fans and viewers, as the name entails, this is the Racially Diverse Gaming Hour. And what that means is not only do we have a very racial diverse cast, we also are talking about anything and everything gaming. It's not just PlayStation on this podcast. It could be Nintendo, Xbox, Even if we want to kick it old school with the Jaguar, we'll talk about anything, everything, go on tangents. Who knows what could happen during this fun-filled, insane hour. And our first segment to kick it off, because I'm from Canada and this is a very American website, not a lot of people know things about Canada, as my three guest hosts know. (laughs) Um, 
So fun fact about Canada, Tim Hortons. Do you guys know what it is? No, no. clue. No clue. Not an idea. Not an idea. And what was your joke about it earlier, Glenn, with your... Uh, My your, joke? Your sitcom, not sitcom, your stand-up oh. comedy routine. No, I'm a member of a sketch comedy show here at my college. It's it's a little bit like Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And they had me playing, like, this this black dude that got lost in Canada. Imagine that. I, I'm playing a black dude. Um, they had me play this black dude that got lost in Canada. Mm-hmm. And the line was something like, yo, dog, you, you got to tell me what Tim Hortons is. Because I've got everybody up here asking me what, about Tim Hortons. I've got no clue what it is. What, what's Tim Hortons? No one actually answered that question for me because it was just a line in a skit. So I, I've got to know, what is Tim Hortons? Tim Hortons is, well, there's Tim Hortons is two things. Uh, one, it is our version of Starbucks. So it is a coffee chain. So okay. Tim Hortons Coffee, uh, we, which we also call Timmy's for short. So everyone in Canada generally goes to Tim Hortons to get their coffee. Mm. Screw every other fancy, dancy coffee place. Is it actually good? It's it's good. Okay. It's really, uh well, some people say it's crap, but they buy it anyway. So <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I definitely pictured, like, this sporting goods store that sold hockey equipment yeah. <laughs> instead of coffee. Oh, yeah, it fits, you know. Well, I'm go- oh, I'm going over to Horton's to pick up some yeah. new skates. Well, you know what? You would, you're half right because Tim Horton's was actually a real person. Oh. Because it's based off of, there's a, there's a hockey player named Tim Horton, singular, <sighs> who played for the Maple Leafs in the NHL, and then when he retired, he made... Tim Hortons, the chain. So, wow. Wow. Well, yes. I wasn't sure. Mind is blown so for people. So everything revolves around hockey in Canada then, even your coffee. You didn't know that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Man. That's why, that's why you lose more. at the Olympics to us oh, in hockey. Oh, oh, oh. Right. oh, we'll see. We got Sochi right. coming up. They're fueled uh, by hockey. From the Father Lions, you all lose. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll take you out, Russia. You're going down. In your dreams. In my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But, uh, and then also, just as an aside to this, did you guys ever watch on YouTube the show, um, Rick Mercer's Talking to Americans? No. No, I haven't heard of it. Okay, my Canadian brethren knows this all too well, and they're thinking, yes, we know what he's going to say. So all the Americans on the show or anyone else around the world, type into Google, Rick Mercer is talking to Americans. And there's Rick Mercer is a very famous, at least in Canada, comedian who has his own show. And he went to America to, like, big famous places like Harvard University to, like, to meet governors of states. And he would ask them ridiculous, false, untrue questions or statements to get them to petition things. So one of them was he went to the streets and he asked a lot of average Americans to sign a petition to stop the great Canadian seal hunt, which sounds like, okay, this is, you know, it's legitimate seal hunt. But then he goes on and talks about how we kill seals yearly using Timbits. Using what? Timbits. What is that? A Timbit is a small donut from Tim Hortons. 
Wow. Oh my gosh. It's literally, it's just a donut ball from Tim Hortons, and we call them Timbits. That's the actual name of it. They're mini donuts. I don't know if I could survive in Canada. (laughs) And so, because every year, we pummel seals with Timbits to kill them. Uh Uh-huh. And people actually sign this. They sign this petition. Oh, this is inhumane. This is bad. Right? And it's, it's just a basically a big giant, America's really ignorant about anything about Canada show. So, <laughs> I'm probably gonna get a lot of hate mail for this. See, I, that would be, a, that would be a little weird except for the fact that Americans do the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah, so there's Timbits, man. They're delicious, by the way. Timbits are very delicious. I want some Tim's bits now. I want some Tim's bits. I I stick with American Donut. It's very (laughs) (laughs) So let's get on to some gaming news. And I'm going to start off, you know, we can go on Tans and, yeah, Tans, Tangents. We're going to start off with something that you wrote about, Ernest. What? Um, PlayStation (laughs) Now. PlayStation PlayStation Now. Now. What do you think about PlayStation Now, Ernest? You think it's going to be great? Think it's gonna uh, suck. You had five points about it for your article. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be kind of cool, but it really depends on. I think the big things will be if it lag, how badly it lags, and mm-hmm. what games are on there. You know, if it if it doesn't have a lot of games and if it lags, then I don't see a lot of people adopting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you mind. think about it? Me. Uh, yeah. I think that, uh, well, this is interesting because we talked about it on the other, the, the Unchained, but I think that for people who keep their collection, mm. then they're not going to be very interested in it. Uh, for people who are new gamers, like young kids or like, or people who don't keep their collection or have an excuse to get rid of it, then they're going to love it. Again, it also depends on like lag. It depends on price. It depends on what games are available, like you said in your article. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, personally, if all the old PS1, PS2 games had trophies, every single one, then I would subscribe because I want to platinum tons of old RPGs because I'm a trophy whore. Um, if they don't put trophies in it for it, those old games, then I'm not going to get it because I own every game that I would want. Well, the PS3 games already have trophies in them. So, um, I'd imagine they'd retain those. Yes. Yep, they've confirmed that. Yeah. yeah. PS2 now, titles will still have trophies. The, the biggest complaint I see about PlayStation now, um, around the internet is, oh, well, you know, I have games already and I'm not gonna be able to go in and access them for free on, um, PlayStation now. And I, I think what these people are forgetting is this, for one, is not for the PS4. The, the purpose of PlayStation Now is not to make the PS4 backwards compatible. In fact, there was an article posted about that. You know, mm-hmm. backwards compatibility in itself for the PS4 is not the focus of PlayStation Now. Okay, the focus of PlayStation Now is to allow gamers to play older games that they may have missed or that they they don't have anymore and to allow gamers to play their games on an array of different devices. Um, Eventually, tablets and smartphones with the DualShock 3 controller are going to be able to play PlayStation games. This is not about um, backwards compatibility for the PS4. So if you have those games for PS3, 
then chances are you have a PS3. So I think what Sony wants you to do is to play them on your PS3, which makes sense because they still want to sell PS3s. Mm-hmm. And if they made the PS4 that backwards compatible, they wouldn't sell any more PS3s. Yeah. And also, like, to the people who are saying that, um, yeah, like you said, I assume you have a PS3, and it's still going to be better quality. Um, you know, you're going to get better quality sound, the visuals, and it's going to be less of a hassle and cheaper because then you don't have to pay the rental fee or the subscription fee. So why complain about it if you already have it? Yeah, and, and then there's the fact that it, there's a subscription. So if you have a subscription, then chances are you're going to be able to access those games anyway without paying any more than your subscription. So the, mm-hmm. the only reason you'd have to you'd have to pay any extra is if you're renting the game. So people, I don't think that there's really that much to complain about yet for PlayStation Now. I, I think it's too early to to do any of that. I think that it has a lot of potential to be really successful. Um, in fact, its only competition right now are, um, let's see, Gamefly and GameStop. And they can't offer um, the biggest thing that Sony offers here, which is instant gratification. So there's a lot of um, opportunity here for, for it to be successful, and I don't think there's too much to complain about just yet. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think we won't, won't really get a C... Uh, you know, have anything concrete to complain about until we come to the beta and see how it works out in the wild. Is it okay if I say one thing real quick for the beta? Go right ahead. Yeah. This okay. is no holds barred, everyone. Okay. This is uncut, okay. unscripted. Say what you the, want. This is going to be groundbreaking, okay? It's a beta, okay? <laughs> Chances are it's going to have some bugs, okay? Chances are... It might not work sometimes. Chances are it'll work sometimes, but not as expected. But it's a beta. So please remember that because we need no more chaos on the internet as far as, oh, this sucks or this is bad or this doesn't work. It's, it's, it's a beta. Give it a chance. Xbox for life. Xbox. That's basically what it's coming down. That's what you're saying. You're you're saying to people, man, don't bring out the Xbox as the Almighty of the World flag right away, Glenn. <laughs> but no, Dane, it's it, the seamless integration of your movies, television, music, and video gaming on one console. Oh. And a water oh, cooler. It can save the world. And, uh, Gary, Soviet Russia, how are things over there with the beta? What do you think? I think PlayStation Now is a very good idea, but I think when it first come out, it's going to have very hard time. I think so many people will access at the same time. It will really slow things down. The lag will become a very big issue when it first comes out until they work and fix all that. But I think it's very good for PlayStation Vita owners especially because they will be able to experience so many more games mm. wherever they are. Well said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's very good. And doesn't it seem like a very Soviet ideology, Gary? Look, oh, I'll pay this one price. I get the whole thing. I can share it as I will. Exactly. Any game. It's like Glenn said, instant gratification. I'll spend five minutes playing Yakuza 1, and then five minutes later I'll play... Valkyrie Profile, five minutes later I'll play NHL 95, five minutes later this, five minutes later that. <laughs> is the gratification. Older sports games. games and at this the same is, time. This is the perfect thing for those with ADD or ADHD. This <laughs> is for you. It is. 
Mm. Of course, well, pricing will be the big difference, in my opinion. If they include in PlayStation Plus, that's good for them. But I think it will be separate price for, for both. Mm-hmm. I think it will be a separate price, but I, I, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of giving PS Plus users a discount. In fact, I, I think that would add a whole lot of value to PlayStation Plus. Like, if there's anyone who doubts PlayStation Plus's value now, add that to PlayStation Plus and there's little more to doubt. Like, you would, that would be a really good move for them. Um, but like you said, I don't think they'll include it completely in PlayStation Plus. It's, I think it's, it's far too valuable to mm-hmm. give away that way. Yeah, Gary yeah. brought up the good point about price. Now, we don't know what the price could be because, like you said, it's going to go into beta. So what do you think? Gary, you're the one who mentioned it. What would a fair price be to you? Where you'd be like, you know what? This price, I'll sign up for a subscription. I personally think $10 a month would be a very good price. $10 Just like Netflix, Hulu Plus, all those, I think nine ninety nine a month, good price for them. Okay. Yeah. Ernest, Glenn agree. Um yeah, I mean in my editorial I said they should price it ten dollars or less. Mm-hmm. You know, ten dollars for non PlayStation Plus subscribers and maybe like eight bucks for people who have PlayStation Plus. That's what I suggest. Um I am going to guess that they're going to price it parallel to what PlayStation Plus is. Um, and that's a little less. I, I think I think what they're going to do is they're going to do the um, year-long membership for like 50 or 60 bucks or something like that, the way they do with PlayStation Plus. Mm. And um, they, they might stagger it upward. So like one month would be nine ninety nine, and then, you know, two months, you buy, you buy three months, you get a slight discount. And by a year, you get a slight discount. But I, I think that they're going to try to put it alongside PlayStation Plus because I don't think they want it to seem like it's too expensive. Um, because then you, especially with people already saying, well, you know, I have these games already, why do I need this? So I, I think they're going to want to try and price it as competitively as possible with the um, PlayStation Plus subscription. Yeah, that sounds good. You know, it just came to mind, this is a really good party service, if you think about it, because you get a bunch of people over and be like, man, we can play anything. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's very true. Yeah. So, so that would be pretty good. I like, like I said before, I'm looking for trophies. Man, if they had tro- if they said every single PS1 and PS2 game now has a trophy list, I would sign up. And my life would be over. My life would be <laughs> over because I'd have to platinum Swakoden series, Persona 1 and 2 and dot hack and like freaking every single oh, RPG yes, no by then. Was that Gary? Dot hack would be very good. Dot all yeah. six games, oh yeah. That would yeah. be awesome. It'd be like life equals over. I will mostly look forward to PlayStation Two games because I think it's the best console system ever. And I have I agree. Who, I would love to replay all those games again, especially the RPGs. Who doesn't think the PS two is not the greatest system ever? Um, I have one or two of my roommates who say the Super Nintendo. Which I, is... I can yeah. see that. That can make an argument. It's a valid It's a valid choice, yeah. but I don't know. I think the PS2 was just phenomenal. The PS2 was legendary. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I, I like how they're aiming to um, 
repeat their success with the PS2, with the PlayStation 4. Like, it even has some design cues from the PS2. I, it's interesting where they're going with it. Yeah, mm. it's really good. Um, now, do you think the PS4 is going to hit lightning in a bottle again with uh, in terms of sales, or do you think that the competition is just too strong with the Xbox One and the Wii U compared to the Dreamcast, GameCube, and X original Xbox? Um, the original Xbox wasn't much competition for the PS2. Xbox 360 was far better, but PS3 managed to catch up with it in the end. Um, at this point, Xbox is sitting in the backseat because of its screw-up back at E3 and before. Um, and PlayStation, as of uh, when we posted the article a few days ago, has, is over 1.2 million consoles ahead of the Xbox 360 in sales. Right now, they are poised to have some incredible sales, mm-hmm. all right? They're positions to meet their goal of selling 5 million consoles by March, before March. Um, it would take something extremely excellent from Xbox or something extremely bad from uh, PlayStation for them to, to fail here. I think that right now they're on their way. They just need to keep their momentum, get the content because that's what everyone wants. We, we've got our systems. We're waiting for the game. Yeah. That's what we want. So we need the content, and they need to keep pushing it. They need to bring those features in that they promised, like the interactive streaming. Um, and they just need to keep it relevant and keep things coming out at a steady pace. And I think that they have a chance at it. And just to add to yours when you talked about sales is the Xbox One has basically already released in all of its major markets but PS4 has not even been released in Japan yet. No. So the numbers aren't fully realized yet, which is kind of telling that if the PS4 already has a big lead before Japan even enters the market, well, I could only imagine how crazy it's going to get. See, I I don't know that Xbox should have canceled um, the markets that it did. Remember, it was going to release in more markets than it has, but... Um, they, they canceled the release on, or let me not, not canceled, they postponed mm-hmm. the release of those consoles, um, so that they could get them all out at the same day. I think they would have far better numbers right now if they had simply staggered their release and said, okay, we'll release in these 13 markets now. Okay. Give it a month, give it a, a couple of weeks, or release in the other ones. I think if they had pushed for that, um, sure there, they, there might have been, um, fewer Xbox Ones, um, but that would have really helped the numbers that they've sold. I still think for Microsoft, they needed to ensure supply for the U.S. though, because that's really where their strongest country is. So I don't know if that factored into the decision. Don't you still uh, have three consoles left to sell? <laughs> yeah, three of the Xbox Ones. Um, but anyways, three? back to the PS. Yeah, I I've been scalping some next gen consoles on the side. <laughs> Did you um, see that? <laughs> I'm out of PS4, so nobody asked for those. Um, I don't have them. Anyways, back to the PS2. I think PS4 is. Um, I think there's a really high chance for them to maintain a first place lead, but matching the sales numbers of the PS2 might be hard. Um, you know, they sold, I think it's over 150 million 
in it, in its lifetime. And back then, it was a different it was a different market. People couldn't get their gaming fix on you know, on their phones and other devices. And the big thing with PS2 was it was the cheapest device you could get in order to play DVDs, which was a huge, you know, revolution format for film and movies and stuff like that. You know, film, movies, television. And there's not really that, that sort of drive for the Blu-ray aspect of the PS4. You know, it plays Blu-rays still. Um, but it's not the cheapest option you have. Yeah, because when we see those sales, right? Like, we're just assuming that they're for games, but how many bought it just as a DVD player? Because it was cheaper. a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people did. I remember back in the day, yeah, people yeah. did that for the PS3 as well. Because back then, it was the cheapest Blu-ray player uh, around, yeah. and it yeah. played games. Yeah. So, Gary, that's uh, you're being quiet, man. Get your voice heard. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I, I agree. The, the DVD, a lot of people bought PlayStation 2 because of the DVD. It was the cheapest. I know my family wanted it because of that. I said, okay, you pay money, I play games. It's a good deal to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, that needs to be on like a t-shirt. You play money, you pay money, I play games. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. But, um, just to go back with, um, Ernest's point, uh, I think that, well, I think the PS4 is going to do better, is going to sell better than the PS3. I don't think it's going to be as much of a difference simply because compared to the PS2 because I don't think it's the mobile market that changed. I think it's the fact that you can get any game on all systems. Mostly now. Like if, like if I wanted to play Resident Evil now, I can get it on all the consoles. Back then... That's- only, mm-hmm. only one, uh, See, which I think changes. It's, it's basically like uh, it, it divides the market a lot more. That's the thing that I like about PlayStation mm-hmm. um, compared to Xbox. And I'm sorry, I, I'm going to start uh, international war here. Um, <laughs> that's that's what I like about PlayStation over Xbox because the, the truth is I actually like Xbox. Now, in fact, I was going to purchase an Xbox 360. I already had a PS3 um, because I really wanted to play uh, three games. I wanted to play Halo, I wanted to play Forza, and I wanted to play Fable. Mm. But so I, I was literally saving my money, and I walked into GameStop one day to take another look at the console and, and the games available. And I looked around, and I was like, you know, I, I can play almost all of this on my PS3 already. You know, that's that's what I like about PlayStation because since since they came about, and uh, we can partly thank Nintendo for PlayStation being around. So perhaps Nintendo. Um, <laughs> since. PlayStation's been around, they've been working to acquire and build all these studios. And so now they have some legendary studios under their belt. They have, let's see, Naughty Dog, Sucker Punch, Evolution, Santa Monica, Studio Japan. These studios have made legendary games, especially Naughty Dog. I mean, Naughty Mm -hmm. Dog's 4 for 4, Jack and Daxter, Crash Bandicoot, Uncharted, The Last of Us, all of them Naughty Dog. You know, and so they have the power to create these games, uh, first-party titles, and call them exclusive and say they're just for PlayStation users. 
Microsoft doesn't always have that power. Because where PlayStation focused on getting studios and getting games, Microsoft has focused on building its online services. And there's nothing wrong with that. Microsoft's online services are the best around, period. All right? I mean, 300,000 servers, that's good for some. That doesn't mean necessarily a lot to um, gamers as far as games go, but that's really good for something. Their network is great. Um, however, that does leave them a little short when it comes to diversity in games. Um because they tend to have to buy exclusivity to make up for it. And that gets expensive. Because when, when you buy exclusivity, you usually have to make up for what the developer's losing by sticking to one console in some way. And that just gets expensive over time. And so that's why, you know, there tends to be fewer exclusives on the Microsoft console. So what I hope for Microsoft this time around is that they really focus on on getting a studio or two. They, they've beefed up their network, which is great, but they need more first-party games, and um, just buying exclusivity isn't exactly sustainable long-term. So I really hope they get some studios and get some great games out there, because if they do, I'm probably going to buy an Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Ooh, bold words. Bold <laughs> words. Uh, Gary, are you going to buy an Xbox One? Do you agree with what Glenn was saying? I agree with what Glenn say. I don't personally plan to buy Xbox One at any time mm-hmm. because I just don't like their first party games. I I, exactly. do prefer, <laughs> I do prefer the the Sony and I even prefer the Nintendo ones. Uh, yeah. I re, I will I plan to buy a Wii U at some point, but uh, you know, like to me, the Xbox One, like Glenn said, you know, they they keep buying exclusive titles. And some of them are not exactly the AAA titles that they want outside of Titanfall, which I'm pretty sure they've decided to buy exclusivity, even though EA says otherwise. It you know, is really the biggest game that, that they have that with an official release date for mm-hmm. 2014. You know, they said that Titanfall <clears throat> is going to stick with Xbox, but there are rumors that Titanfall 2, when it comes out, could go multi- multi-platform. Yeah. Yes, as- yeah. As a matter of fact, there's some news story broke out a long time, uh, last two months ago where one of the designers for Titanfall said that they had already started to work on PlayStation 4 version of game until EA told them that they're not going to do that. And it uh-huh. took them by surprise. But they, yep. they pretty much confirmed that Titanfall 2 will be multi-platform title when it comes out. That's good. And, t- and- you know, Titanfall, there's one thing that a lot of um, Xbox fanatics tend to do, and it's like, you know, Xbox has Titanfall, you PS4 people can't play it. Yes, we can. It's available for PC. I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to play it. So On a PC? <laughs> yeah. That's, with, with your PlayStation 4 controller, yes? With my PlayStation 4 <laughs> controller. <laughs> that is so good. Uh, Ernest, what do you think? Um. Yeah, I mean... I agree with a lot that's been said that uh, Xbox first party stuff hasn't been really their forte in the you know in the past few years and um, you know last generation even though they didn't have that many first party they did have one big advantage and that they were, they were the significantly cheaper of the two for the longest time and so last generation. I bought an Xbox 360 first because I couldn't afford a PlayStation 3 and, you know, played a lot of games that way. But now it's the 
the opposite case where PS4 is the cheaper option. So is the $100 premium going to be enough to entice gamers to, you know, have exclusives like Forza and Titanfall and Halo? The smart we'll gamers, I, the smart gamers, I think yes. Because, and I know that's, that sounds a little, a little strange. I say that because back then, back when the Xbox 360 was already out, for a year before the PS3 came out at a whopping $600, what were you guys <laughs> thinking, Sony? Um, they, it came out for $600, and people were like, you know what, I've already got an Xbox, and I'm loving mm-hmm. it. Why do I need to spend $600 on the PS3, you know? And so they, they got this experience with Xbox, and I'm kind of wondering, you know, the, especially the way um, PlayStation has picked things up toward the end. They were way behind. Um, not too long ago, they actually passed Xbox until Xbox came and took their took their title back. Um, so I, I can't help but wonder how much of it is just um, brand loyalty and how much of it is really, you know, I'm glad that I spent the money on an Xbox One to play Xbox One games. And and how much of it is just you know I just love Xbox. You know, there's nothing yeah. wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I want to know how much of it is really because of the games and because they buy what they get from the system, and how much of it is just because they love what Xbox is and what Xbox stands for. I think a I lot think of one... people. It's just what they. I think some people, like you said, and sorry to cut you off, Gary, just love Xbox because I mean it still sells. I mean the games out right now are basically. I think, what is the biggest exclusive? It's Rise and Dead Rising 3. Dead Rising 3, yeah. Against, what, is, what does Sony have? Uh, Killzone, Killzone and Knack. Killzone and Knack. So it's, uh, I, I'll give the edge to Xbox, because I really like Dead Rising. And Rise, I don't know much about. But, so it's, it's kind of like, you know, 60-40-ish. But still, the Xbox is selling crazy. Even though it's still selling it, really well, it's still selling yeah. really well. Even though it's more expensive, so I think there's a lot of people who are just like, "Fuck Sony, I want an <laughs> Xbox." Oh yeah. So uh, Gary, what were you gonna say? I was going to say right now, Sony doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't have a game that is going to sell its system like no. like Microsoft has. With Microsoft, people will buy Xbox One mm-hmm. just to, so they can play Halo Five. That that is pretty much a given point. Whereas before, Sony had uh, with PlayStation Three, the, the 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 reason people bought system, most of them was to play Metal Gear Solid Four. That was the system seller for them. And I don't think Sony right now has a game that people will buy whole system for to play. In so, the West, no. But next month in Japan, Yakuza yes. Ishin. The Yakuza will sell PlayStation 4 very easily there. Yes, so yes. let me let me wrench the podcast from the host with the most here just for a second. All right, Commissioner. And let me ask you, that's right, don't don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, um, let me just ask you guys. Okay, what do you think people are buying the PlayStation 4, though? Because the PS4's sales have been massive. And their launch lineup of games and... I have I have an opinion on this too, which I'll probably say. But um, I want to hear from you guys first. Their lineup of games has not been as shiny as Xbox's has. Xbox definitely wins the launch lineup battle here. So yeah. why do you think people have gotten behind the PlayStation 4 so much now without um, 
some excellent titles to lure people in. Why do you think people are, are behind PS4 so much? It's, uh, I, I mean, in, you go ahead, Ernest. Okay. I'll, I'll go second. Well, you know, if they're, if they're choosing between the two, the $100 price difference is, is huge for some people. But I also think there's just the, the feeling and that people love to ha- have that new big thing. And just to sort of show it off. There's plenty of people who have bought it and just for the sake of having it and saying they have it and having it there to show their friends and whatnot. Um, I, I guess I kind of fall into that partially because I have one, but I don't, I haven't played my PS4 that much. Um, I think I've played my Vita and PS3 more in the past few weeks. Um, but I, I just think that's, it's because of that, that they just want something new and, um, there might have been a lot of it, you know, uh, due to hype and just preemptively buying it because of what's on the horizon, stuff like Destiny and Watch Dogs, etc. Yeah, I would agree with what Ernest said, that people want the shiny new thing, and especially it's the cheaper of two shiny new things. But I think it's generally more of a PR reason. I think this time around, because like Ernest said, the launch lineup, and like I said, is, is skewed more towards Xbox, thanks to Dead Rising, in my opinion. But Sony just did so much better PR this past year than Xbox. I mean, you look at their pre-E3 show, that was crazy in itself. Mm-hmm. I'm still playing the theme song. I got the theme song from the opening movie, and I still play it all the time. It was just crazy. And then oh, shoot. E3, what is that? It's like monster or something. I'll I'll send it to you later what it is. Yeah. But um they they did that and then E three was massive. Um then there was the the E I don't know if it was just the EU thing or like it was supposed to be worldwide, but they had the the greatness awaits the, like the history of, of the PlayStation and then the crazy song they have for that, which was just awesome. Yeah. Um, and then they had the Spike TV like last hour before the official launch of the PS4. I mean, they're basically hitting the PR on the head. They're just making you know, this is awesome. And then I wrote an article during E3 how they were going old school. They were going PS1. They were like, yeah. we're the underdog, right? Nintendo's the lead dog. Circa 1995. Okay, circa 1995, Nintendo and Sega at the top. We're the new kid, new kid on the block. So we need to make a statement. So we'll just kick in their teeth and say, here's Crash Bandicoot. We're going to assault Nintendo headquarters like the WWE assaulting WCW or something. And they're just bringing, <laughs> they're bringing back that mentality, especially when, um, Shuhei and, What's his name did? This is how you trade games on a PS4. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, that was I mean, great. I mean, they just brought back that we're the underdog or just make games fun and joke at ourselves. Like, at best, they're, they're joking at ourselves, the whole industry, and having fun. Or at worst, they're like, let's give you the finger Xbox. I'm playing the PR to a T. Either way, they're just like, we're here to stay and just trying to say... You know, the next generation starts with us, but without actually saying it like Kaz did for the PS3. <laughs> so, um, and then I'll just quickly say this before Gary takes over. 
Um, because they're bringing back that feeling, I think it, it brings over jaded people. So, like we talked about with PS Plus, PS Plus is probably the greatest thing for gamers right now. That you can just be like, skip a generation and still get lots of great games for free. And then, who knows what kind of awesome sauce that Naughty Dog is going to bring out. That all these other companies, like you said, Sucker Punch has Infamous coming out. Like, all these big titles that are mm-hmm. in the works. They're not secret. They're like, they're coming out for the for the Western market. Gary, take it away. I think there's two reasons why people prefer Sony right now. Uh, the biggest reason is because of how Microsoft announced their system with all the restrictions and all the DRM stuff. I think it pissed off a lot of people, so they instantly jump ship. I think Microsoft lost a lot of trust in a lot of their gamers and the community in general. And the second reason, I believe, since... Both systems now charge to play online. I think people notice that the PlayStation Plus service is so much better than what Microsoft is offering with Xbox Live. With, you know, since they have to play anyway to play games online, but they're also now getting seven games for free, even if, you know, most of them are for PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita. But I think Microsoft really hurt themselves more than Sony. Sony succeeded in my opinion. I think Sony they do the complete opposite of what Microsoft did, and I think that that really helped a lot of people go back to Sony, who who jumped ship from from PlayStation Two to Microsoft and for the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, in my opinion. Yeah, it was just a perfect storm. I mean, look back at the E three conference where Xbox had to do theirs first, and mm-hmm. talking about the pricing point, and you were there, Ernest. You were at E yeah. three, and then it's like, oh, here's our price, and then Sony's on, and it's like. Damn, our price is so much cheaper. <laughs> so uh, I wonder if they actually had to like change the script last minute to put in that joke. About yeah, the price. Yeah, I wonder. And there, I mean, there were people who were asking like, oh, you know, was PS4 originally, you know, maybe thinking about being at 500 and possibly including the camera for that price? And mm-hmm. the Sony's official response has been, oh no, you know, it was going to be 400. We don't know, but it it definitely helped them. To go second, I think. I think with that, um, what they had to say about it makes a bit of sense because Sony's a big company, and they they work with a lot of other big companies. So I, I feel like it wouldn't be that simple just to say, "Okay, we're changing the entire SKU right now." Okay, within the next two hours, we're we're changing the entire SKU. This is no longer part of the package. I, I think that I think that's a little too difficult for I agree. such a huge operation. So yeah. I, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I don't. But I mean, no. like they could have, they could have just, uh, I mean, throw out the camera, and they could have still had it at five hundred, maybe. Yeah, yeah. We don't know for sure. I I believe that all of you are right. I think that it's a big combination of those because, I mean, Sony pretty much did everything right. They they came in and from the beginning they came in with a very consumer focused message, and they said. Here is the new PlayStation. We screwed up last time. Here's what we're doing now. Here's what we're doing with the indie developer community. Here's how we're changing things for developers, and here's the, how that affects gamers. And 
people bought into that like candy, <laughs> you know, that yeah. sounds good to me. And then Microsoft helped because there was already, from the start, there was already stuff about Microsoft. And, and just their attitude was bitter. It was just terrible. Like you have um, Adam Orth, I think that's his name, yep. with, with the uh, deal with it, you know. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. yeah and, the, then, and then you, you have like, this, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, and then also you had, uh, I thought was really insulting was Don Matrick. I was gonna who say, told Jeff, that. who told Jeff Keighley that the console for people who don't have internet is the Xbox 360. And I yeah, thought that was just awful. And yeah. not only that, but then there was this a reporter whose name I don't remember who was just saying, you know, we know, we know that you can just take away these restrictions. Oh, for and, the Switch? That was Angry yeah. Joe. Was the guy, was the guy, Joe. Was the guy professional at all? He's no. like he's like a web. He's like a YouTube guy. Yeah, yeah. So. Are you talking about the reporter? Yeah, the reporter. His name is Angry Joe. Okay. Well, the the executive, the person that he was speaking to from Microsoft. Oh, Major Nelson. He was not professional oh. at all. Do you know what he did? He he takes the guy. He cuts the guy off, and he's like, "Excuse me, were you on the development team? <laughs> were you on the development team? Oh no. Oh well, I think it's a little bold for you to say that. But where's your professionalism? Okay. Uh, to be that, to be fair with Major Nelson, I mean, he does come off. That was really bad PR, but I mean, he does seem like a really generally cool guy. Like, did you see him with Francis on YouTube? Do you guys know Francis? Yeah, I just okay. My general opinion of Major Nelson, even when I was you know only playing on Xbox 360s, just I always found him kind of kind of a. It always felt like sort of a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Like there was. There's just sort of a slimy, you know, snake oil, snake oil salesman type Corporate. of feel to him. You know, just, um, I've always thought he was an odd, odd choice to be their public face on social media. You know, this older guy that I just don't think people can connect to. Here's, here's a quick <laughs> tip. Here's a quick tip. If anyone from Sony or Microsoft or Google, or Oya, or what happened, Ooh, yeah. happens to hear Ooh, this, yeah. okay? <laughs> this is an Oya? Hey, people this, have Oyas. Some, some people. Some this you. tip <laughs> may save your company, okay? It's very simple. Don't give microphones to douchebags. That's it, okay? You have a higher chance of succeeding when douchebags do not have microphones. You, you, know, you know you just lampooned Major Nelson ever coming on to this podcast, Glenn. <laughs> I, don't I don't want think, him on here. I don't here. think he'll ever come on, on now anymore. I don't want him on here. Uh, <laughs> the commissioner has spoken. The commissioner has spoken. <laughs> but so let's let's go let's change this up a little bit. I'm gonna give you guys a premise. Um so I know that this generation has already just happened. Um let's think about the next one in ten okay. years. Alright. Um Going by the point I made earlier about how for at least for Microsoft and Sony, except for some big games like your Uncharted versus Halo or Killzone versus Forza, basically (coughs) I can get any game I want on both systems. Okay. They're the same. Do you think it's going to be Nintendo versus one of them in 10 years? Nintendo uh, Nintendo versus one of them. Do you think Microsoft or Sony is going to die as a system creator like Sega did before, and it's just Nintendo versus one of them? No. I think, well, if Nintendo, like, 
if Nintendo, the next generation after this one, made their hardware on about the same level, then I could see that drawing a lot of people, that they can say, oh, I can play third-party hit exclusives like Titanfall 4 or Call of Duty or whatever, and also get those exclusive titles like the new Mario and Super Smash and those sort of games. I, I think what draws a lot of people away from Nintendo consoles is it's missing that third-party cross-platform support. I think that... I don't think that... Um... Unless by choice, Microsoft and Sony aren't going to die here. Um, it would it would take a big calamity for that because no matter what, people are still going to love Sony and people are still going to love Microsoft. So uh, um, unless they just do something horrifically stupid, I think they're both here to stay. And and I don't think Nintendo's terrible either. I, there's Wii, the Wii U has a bad rap, but really that's um, that's Nintendo's fault because I got the chance to play one. You know. The it's kind of like the Vita. Those who have one like them, and I, mm-hmm. I got the chance to meet the editor of Pure Nintendo Magazine over this past summer, and he showed me his place, and he has like all the Nintendo stuff ever, and he let me play around on his Wii U, and I'm I'm playing this thing, and it's like this is this is a really good successor to the Wii, but then you you look back on what Nintendo did with that, and you have people who don't know what the thing is, and that alone should raise red flags. If people don't know what your problem is, you need to step back and say, I'm doing something wrong, okay? But you had people who were like, okay, is this an accessory to the Wii? Is this his own console? You know, what is this? Is it for hardcore gamers? Is, is it So their, their marketing was just horrible back then, and they've picked it up now. After all this time, their sales are kind of comparable to the PS4 and the Xbox, so... They're not completely out of the game. They're starting to gain momentum. They're starting to get new content. So I don't think they're out of the running yet. Um, but, I mean, it, it still has a, a long way to go because the public perception of the Wii U is, is just a joke. Gary, what are your thoughts? I personally think Nintendo, in, at the end, if, if, say, some big, you know, video game depression hit again, I, I think out of the three companies, Nintendo would be the only one standing. Because they just have the experience in the in the field. Um, I personally think Wii U is a very good system. Uh, I've played it. My friend has it. I I think it's a good system. Um, I think Nintendo's big problem right now is, like you said, Glenn, is they just have so many controllers, so many things for it that people don't know what's going to work with it, what isn't going to work with it. And you know, to me. You know, Nintendo right now, pretty much, they're not losing any money on anything. They're making money on all the Wii U they sell. They're, all their money is coming in from the Nintendo 3DS mostly. But well, unlike Sony and Microsoft, they're, they're both losing money on every system that they sell right now. Whereas Nintendo is only gaining more money. Mm-hmm. And I, I personally think that, you know, if, if I had to pick one, I would say that Microsoft would be first to go simply because they're just so big. They don't really need to be in video game industry to survive. Whereas Sony, they have all these other things, but a lot of their money does come from PlayStation as well. So yeah, yeah I gotta, I gotta go. I, I know when you're talking about Nintendo is making money on their Wii U's. To, to, to go with Ernest's point about third party support, I think that Nintendo is probably in the better position 
of the other two companies, I'd say Nintendo, Sony, Xbox, in that order, because Nintendo already has all the first-party stuff. They have the best first-party out of the three. I think we could all agree with that. Any yeah. dejectors for that, Ernest? No. Um, I also want to add one one more thing about Nintendo. is I think they can afford to, quote-unquote, lose this generation because people forget how much in assets and, and cash they have. They have over $10 billion in the bank yeah. right now. So they can, I mean, a little, a few, a loss here with the Wii U even is fine. Yeah, because, I mean, Nintendo's, like, the Wii U, or the Wii did crazy sales. But yeah. the GameCube didn't do very well. The Nintendo 64 didn't really sell that well either. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had that first-party support, which the other two companies don't really have like i mean people will buy like you have a 3ds ernest i have a 3ds why did mm-hmm. you buy a 3ds you bought pokemon. it for pokemon yeah. i bought it because atlas decided to put shin megami tensei on their 3ds and they have fire emblem mm-hmm. that's both um so all of their big games is more profit because they don't have to divide it up among thir- third party people so that's why I was thinking when I gave that premise, Nintendo versus one other. Nintendo has all the first party, so they can just survive. They can just yeah. Slowly... I don't think Nintendo's going anywhere. I don't think anyone's going anywhere. And it's their main, it's their mo, it's their main business. Yeah. So they're gonna have to, they're going to have to really try. Meanwhile, Sony and Microsoft can, they can stop doing games at any time. Uh, Sony makes mo- most of their money. It was uh, shown in their last. Uh, financial statement from like financial services, uh, like providing insurance and stuff like that in Japan. So that's where most of their, company. that's where most of their money comes from. Not electronics, not gaming, it's financial services. So they can, they can afford to just, yeah, I know it's weird. They can just stop doing PlayStation if they really want to. And same with Microsoft. Here, here's know. something as another, just for fun. <laughs> what would you guys, what would happen to you guys' brain if Nintendo bought Sony Computer Entertainment or Sony bought Nintendo outright and they combined. What would happen to you guys? It'll be amazing. I will I will cry tears of joy. I, I don't know how happy I'd be because truthfully I, I can't help but feel like if one bought the other, then one would, would kind of go down. Like I, I don't feel like Sony would handle Nintendo stuff the same way they would handle their own stuff, you know. I, I and, and the same for Nintendo. So mm-hmm. I can't help I can't help but feeling that one buying the other would lower the quality. Of one. Um. Yeah. The only the only instance where I think it wouldn't is if they just let them operate sort of on their own. Um. And that those sort of relationships aren't rare in gaming. I mean, there's people have looked at sort of how the relationship between Take-Two Interactive and Rockstar, and a lot of people forget Rockstar is a part of Take-Two, but Take-Two lets Rockstar basically operate as their own company, that Rockstar handles even the marketing and all that stuff for their games. Smart Um, move. Yeah, yeah, it is a smart move. But, yeah, I feel like there would be sort of that inclination to sort of merge how they do things and um, their cultures would clash. Just uh, think about how Nintendo's handling Sonic. I think I talked about this on 
um, Unchained Episode 20. Uh, Nintendo bought Sonic the Hedgehog, or they have something to do with Sonic the Hedgehog. And since Sonic hasn't been himself, and don't, don't get me wrong here, Sonic wasn't himself for a while. Yeah. <laughs> now that, now that Nintendo has him, who do you think's gonna be at the top of the list? Mario or Sonic? Mario. Mario. Yeah. Sonic is going to be buried pretty much for as long as Nintendo has him. They might not. You still there, Glenn? Okay, I, I was like, "Is that my? Is is it my connection?" We lost, but I I think we should say to viewers, "This is uncut and yeah. everything." So whatever happens, just happens. We're doing it live. This is you know. live. This is like so, CNN. This is like CNN. We are the new CNN. <laughs> Gary, are you there? Yes, I'm still here. So we just lost Glenn. Yeah, connection. It's still, it's still, yeah. He's trying to reconnect. He's trying to reconnect. So we apologize, folks. This is our format. Hopefully you don't mind it, but if you do, we apologize. This is how it works here. Um, so I'll just go on with what Glenn was saying, but I'll ask you, do you think that's going to happen with Atlas and Sega? Do you think Sega is going to screw the pooch with Atlas? Absolutely. Absolutely. He doesn't even (laughs) wait. Holy crap. Gary's like, doesn't even talk for half the show. And then the moment I say Atlas and Sega, it's absolutely. Why absolutely? No, I said absolutely not. Oh, absolutely not. I think, I think Atlas will make more money for Sega than Sega is making money for themselves right now. Okay. <laughs> still, very po- true. Point, point said though, you were still very quick to the, uh, <laughs> to it. So. Well, I mean, okay. Let's I, take I think a look Sega at... will, will leave Atlas alone pretty much the same way that Activision has left Blizzard alone to mm-hmm. do their own thing. Yeah. True. <laughs> I think yeah. they know how much money Atlas can make for them, and like the the only the only problem I see now is a lot of great Atlas games are being produced, and some of them released by Exceed Games, mm-hmm. mm. and I think that's gonna take away a lot of great games that Sega will not want to release in other countries outside of Japan. Just I think that is the only bad side between this this merger, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, Sega has been reluctant to. Uh bring in uh you know just kind of japanese flavored titles outside of japan um because they have they have produced a lot of solid stuff and that is critically acclaimed like it took forever for the soccer wars um rpg series to make their way outside japan it took, did we I even get that What's we got the, the f- we got the fifth one mm-hmm. soccer wars uh on my love yeah. Oh, Glenn is back. Welcome back. I'm Glenn. back. I yes. think I think Microsoft heard me talking and kicked me out of the Skype call. That oh, was- that's true. Oh. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the spy box one caught you. I guess so. They you, K- you learned from the KGB. Is what one, happened. One call to the NSA, and there I go. Oh, man. <laughs> so, Glenn, we were talking about. Um, Atlas and Sega along the same vein is would Sega ruin Atlas uh, and their products because of their merger? So, uh, Ernest, can you continue, please? Um, well, anyways, my stance on that is I think I think they'll they'll do fine. They'll just leave Atlas to run on its own. So far, it seems seems to be that way. So far, but we haven't gotten a release yet. 
gunning zero. That's true. So, because I mean, are they going to bring Persona Q to the West on the 3DS? I feel Persona is a big enough name that they can, and a portable title isn't as costly to localize. Right. Or Dancing All Night. That one is probably the iffy one. Right? Because, I mean, it's if it. it was just Atlas, I would say yes, yeah. they're going to bring it over. I mean, it but... took them forever to get the Hatsune Miku rhythm games over here, Cause, so... Because Sega still isn't going to do Yakuza 5, supposedly, which is... Yeah, nice. that's, which, that's unfortunate. And who knows about Ishin getting localized so i think that's why a lot of people are worried with atlas is like man sega doesn't want to localize its great yeah games. if they let if they let atlas sort of be an autonomous organization i think it'll be fine you know what they should do atlas should localize yakuza they should get atlas to localize yakuza for them that will be very oh, good oh yeah hell even let xe do it the xe like to bring good games over yeah, but that's so that a good point. Be... That's a good point, Dane. Because actually, um, they've done that. Atlas USA has localized games that you know they. I think they have. They've localized stuff that they didn't produce. So, you know what's one Atlas game I want to see again? Ogre Battle. There is there is a there there's fans who are much much love for that game. <laughs> I want that game back, man. Ogre Battle, Taxix Ogre. I don't care what. That the game was awesome. Glenn, did you play Ogre Battle on the SNES? I didn't. Um I don't know I you s- anymore, man. I'm gonna really? talk to you on the call. <laughs> hey now. My early gaming, you know, the parent I'm I'm twenty three and so when I was little you had N sixty four coming out and when the SNES came out I was really little. So um my mom was kind of one of those parents that's like, hey, video gaming is going to rot your brain and all that stuff. Even, which was interesting because she was going to buy me an N64 and that never happened. So I ended up getting an N64 secondhand from one of my friends and that was my first console. And I borrowed my friend's SNES from time to time and I played Mario and, and some other games. So I didn't actually own an SNES, um, but I owned a N64 and, and this was not by any faults of my own. Of my own, I would have had them all if I had a choice. Mm-hmm. Here's here's something crazy. I talked to you about this, Ernest, before. I know I definitely did not talk to you, Glenn, about it. Gary, I don't know. But when I was in Japan, I bought a huge collection of games there. And Ernest is know what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Prices are so different there. Yeah. Right? Like, Ogre Battle, if I want to get the SNES version, like the American one, it's going to cost me about 100 bucks. Probably-ish on on eBay, I'm guessing. You want to know how much it cost me on the Super Famicom in Japan? Ten bucks. Not even ten dollars. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> Not even can you cost me two fifty or five dollars? I forget one or the other. Wow. But without a case and without a box. I'm about to go just, to Japan. It was just that, and I have a Super Famicom, so I can play it. I can technically play the game. So, but I just find it interesting, and we're going off a completely different topic now. Um, we can do that. We can do that. This is what the show's about. Um, Racial diversity. How, how the Japanese market is so much cheaper, like, used market, I mean, compared to the West. There's so many, the supply though, they, you know, there's more copies out there. 
They do, but it just seems like anything old, they just don't care. Like, I mean, I got Earthbound in the box in the book for ten bucks. So do you yeah. think? Do you think there's not as much of a retro scene? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, I don't think the retro scene is there. Like, I think okay. it's crazy different, uh, okay. especially when, like, I went to this store called Book Off. Yes. yes, I know what it sounds like to other people. So book off. They got these chains of stores in Japan for people who don't know called offs. Book off, hard off, hobby <laughs> off. Sounds like naughty store. Dane. It sounds like a naughty store, but it's not a naughty store. Uh, for all I know, there's probably a naughty off somewhere. But um, they all have a specialty. Book off is books. Hard off is electronics. Mm-hmm. Hobby off is more hobby stuff, like figures, but I can never find one. But all the book offs had a gaming section. Yeah. With old used games. And like all the games I bought were from, uh, hobby, uh, book offs. And they're like $250, $5, box and book. All these old Famicom, Super Famicom games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the most I paid was like 10 bucks for, and that was Earthbound. And yeah. Persona 2 Eternal Punishment. I think those were the most expensive games I bought. And they were $10 each. But box, book, everything. Uh, but I found it weird because those are really cheap. But if I go into any of the street vendors, I would see the same game for twice the price. Still way cheaper mm. than in America. But it blew my mind because I wanted a Super Famicom. And I found one in the store and it was like 300 bucks. Granted, it was, like, with the box and everything. Yeah. But then I go to, like, a hard-off, and it's, like, forty nine ninety nine with two controllers and all the plugs. Yeah, but, like, the, the book-off stores, they don't give you much for your stuff. And they're, oh. their thing is to price really competitively. Super competitively. But yeah. it's, just, it's just crazy how the market is, though. Like, even their more higher-end places yeah. um, are so much cheaper. Than, I think it's just the demand yeah. isn't there. Yeah. Band's not there. It's crazy. Or that whole nation just emulates all their old stuff. <laughs> Probably. Who knows? That's what I did. I emulated Persona 2 when I was in Korea because I couldn't play it. So I'll just, I'll just download the emulated version. Technically legal because I own it. So it's technically legal. <laughs> yeah, copy for personal use. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so good thing I own all the games then. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, wait, okay, let's go along this. Gary, what is the one game that you want that you don't own that is the most expensive? Most expensive? Yeah, so if there is one <sighs> game that you would want hmm. that you do not own, if you could just buy it right now, if I gave you a blank check, what game would it be and how much would it cost? The most expensive one. I do not know. I have to think about this. <laughs> oh, wow. time. Okay, Glenn, can you do it? Because Ernest sounds like he's going to have to wait. Yeah, I'm well, going to think about this. Down here, games pretty much cost about the same thing across the board, depending on the platform. Right now, I'm going to have to say, okay, does it have to be one that's available in my area? No, it can be any game Okay, the dead, that you want. The, that you want. The Dead Sec Collector's Edition of Watch Dogs from Europe. Because... There's a collector's edition of Watch Dogs here in the United States. Compared to the Dead Set collection in, uh, collector's edition in Europe, ours sucks. I want the Dead Set version from Europe of Watch Dogs. Whatever. What's the difference? Um, let me take a quick look. 
And how much would it cost you? I don't know. You're asking all these questions. What, what is this? <laughs> okay. Um, talk show, man. Talk show. I gotta ask questions, bro. Okay, let me pull this up. Watchdogs.ub.com. Here we go. Oh, it's asking for my date of birth. <laughs> lie. I, lie. For fun, rating that you're eight years old. <laughs> It'll probably kick me out, but hold on. Oh, verified. All right. Um, it says verified, but it's not doing anything. Come on, Watchdogs. Come on, Ubisoft. I don't care about all your fancy graphics. Okay, pre-order. <laughs> it's flashing all these shapes in front of my face, like uh, Watchdogs. Don't go through an epileptic seizure. Yeah. Okay. So the. It has a few different collector's editions, mm-hmm. um, depending on which store you buy it from. The limited edition comes with a fancy collector's box, the soundtrack, a nine-inch statue of Aiden Pierce, a vigilante mask, and an art book and a steel book. Okay, let me find the European. Good. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But I looked at the European um, version and I was like, why is that not here? Okay, here it is. Uh, come on, it'll just load. Okay, the Dead Sec edition comes with the nine, the 23 centimeters, I guess that's the same as nine inch, uh, Aiden Pierce statue, the steel book, the box, uh, art book, soundtrack, you get a map of Chicago, you get four collectible cards, um, you get three badges, and then you get this digital content, okay? Three single-player missions, 60 minutes of additional gameplay, and I think that some of these are available in the U.S., but it depends on... They split it up between the stores. So, um, But this is all in one package. You get the three single-player missions, 60 minutes of additional gameplay. You get the palace pack, um, which is a type of mission. You get more rewards. Um you get an investigation bonus. You get an ATM hack boost, which gives you more cash when you hack an ATM. Uh, signature shot, so a special weapon. Um, you get... Okay, all this says is breach a stronghold, steal the package, and be the first to hold the weapon. I guess that's a type of mission. Um, more rewards. You get a different outfit. You get another good weapon. You get a breakthrough pack, which says a secret the gathering is underway. Chicago Club is negotiating power with corporate CEOs, um, and you basically have to drive around the city to find scramblers, so I guess that's another mission. You, you get the point. Like, you, you, get all oh, these, yeah. you get all these extra missions, you get all these extra um, rewards, boosts, um, you get a car, you get a weapon. It's, it's like, why is this not in the U.S. edition? Why, why do you have to split it up between um, the... I mean, if you order it at GameStop, you get a poster. I, I guess that's cool. You know, but, and, and you get a couple single player missions, but that's kind of, that kind of pales in comparison to the Dead Sec edition. So I want the Dead Sec edition of Watch Dogs from Europe. That's what I want. And what's the price? What's the price? Yeah. It doesn't actually tell you on the main page, so <laughs> let's go ahead. We went all and, through that, I just wanted a price. <laughs> if I click the pre-order now, oh look, you have GameStop in Europe. I didn't know that. It, 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 it wants me to go to another website. Let's let's just go with oh okay, Dead Sec Edition ninety four pounds and ninety nine, um, whatever cents equates to over in Europe. So okay, so about one hundred and twenty bucks. Well, yeah, about one hundred and twenty bucks. Okay, uh, Ernest, 
What about you? Um, the only one I can think of is the Nino Kuni Wizards Edition, mm-hmm. which came with a uh, plushie of the character Drippy, uh, the game, of course, um, some a gold coin, sketches, art book, postcards, soundtrack, and then um, a hardcover replica of the book um, that the character has, the wizard's manual or whatever, wizard's companion. And, yeah, I think that one is going to become a really, you know, niche collector's item. And should have bought it. They went really quick when the pre-orders opened on Namco Bandai's sites. And Doesn't Kyle have one? I No, I don't think he does. Me, I don't think he does now. But I think right now they're going for at least 300. Ooh, and that's when... Yeah. And Gary? Yeah. What is yours? <sighs> it's very hard to say. Every collector's edition I wanted, I already have. <laughs> okay, he's making us the rest of us look bad. Like Soviet uh, Russia, <laughs> the game owns you. Did, did you see? Did you see that um, old blurb about this guy uh, who broke the world record for uh, biggest game collection? I saw that. He, I did. He, he has like ten thousand video games. It's crazy. Like I, he, has, he has a picture of his shelf, and it's just stacked floor to ceiling. All around the room, just pure video games. Yeah, he could open up a museum. Really, he could, and just start charging admission for people to look at these games in person. <laughs> I was only half impressed because before that broke, I was watching a video of a guy show off his collection, and it was, if not equal, almost as insane. Like, I mean, he had a almost complete collection of every game from every system. It was ridiculous. And if he didn't have it, like, the only thing he was looking for was just better boxes. That was literally (laughs) what he was down to. He had every, like, he had an entire Atari collection. He had every Mm. single Atari game in a box made, ever made. And the only thing he was missing was just, well, this box is beat up, so I need a better box. Um, He was spending, like, a couple thousand dollars a month on insurance. Wow. And the guy, and the guy owns a store. Um, mm. And like, he even had a safe. Like, he literally had a safe that oh, I forget what he said. It was like it could withstand temperatures like basically into the nuclear of levels. And he had some pretty expensive stuff in there. I gotta find that video sometime. But it was pretty crazy. And so I was thinking, is this the same guy or did they just not get this guy? Because I wasn't as impressed when I saw that story break out. This is still kind of impressive, though, because uh, I'm looking at it on Kotaku. And it says uh, he has... It says, along with the games he has the devices to play them on, not only the Xboxes and Playstations, but obscure ones like the Casio Loopy the only game system specifically geared towards girls, which came out in Japan in 95, and he has an Apple Pippin released Ooh. by Apple the same year. And I, I like what Kotako does here because they, they talk about the guy who previously had the record. His name was Richard Lees. He was well, Lechi Lees? He was crowned in 2010, and it says he only had a mere 8,616 games in his collection, the lightweight. And I get that it's tongue-in-cheek, but still... 
a mere <laughs> 8,616 games. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's just, but, this is a whole nother level, man. Viewers at home, guy, we should, we should ask the viewers at home, what is your collection total? How big is your collection? Right. My collection is pretty big. Just saying. Well, you have huh? all of Soviet Russia, because, you know, you sell... Yes, yeah, so I have you... plenty of room to put games everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever been inside the same building as 11,000 video games. Yeah. That's that's crazy. I don't know, Ernest, in your store, there are even 11,000 video games? No, no. Yeah, no, there isn't. That's... that's insane. I wonder how much his collection's worth. Um, I think it said it was around 300,000, I believe it was. Unbelievable. That's, that seems pretty light. 300,000. Yeah. So I would have expected more, uh, and stuff. Casio Loopy? I've never even heard of a Casio Loopy. What is this? Yeah. Guy this stuff? You know, I'm looking at that picture too. You know what's funny and I, about I didn't that? I know about that. You know what's funny is it says like what, what Gary said about 300,000. How much of that is just Nintendo World Championships gold version? <laughs> it's like, oh no, that's just one game. All the rest are peanuts. <laughs> this one game. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's not like he's an older guy, too. Like, there's a picture of him. He, he looks like he's in his early 30s or so. Late 30s. Yeah, no older than, no older than, uh, maybe like early 40s. No older yeah. than that. Yeah. Man. I bet he has Wonder Swan. For the longest <laughs> time, I wanted Wonder Swan color to play certain Japanese RPGs. Oh, that's um. Bandai's Gun- console. Bandai isn't Hands that Elf. Gunpei's new console or old console? Uh, you know who I'm talking I, about, right? The guy, no. the guy who created the Game Boy. Oh, I, I, I saw a documentary on him, and then when he left Nintendo after the Virtual Boy, um, he created, I think it was said, the Wonder Swan. Hmm. So, Interesting. I could be wrong. I mean, the viewers would have to. Um, let's see here. You know, developer of the Wonder Swan. Yeah. He, de- yeah, he developed the original Game Boy, mm-hmm. and he developed he was a developer for the Wonder Swan. I never even heard of the Wonder Swan until I saw that documentary on him. Ah. Uh, like, what is a Wonder Swan? Yeah. So. Oh, we has Virtual Boy too. I miss Virtual Boy. I want the Virtual <laughs> Boy. Soviet Russia is Virtual Boy big. It's torture method. We use it to interrogate. <laughs> <laughs> The retinas. Ah. <laughs> oh man, that's good. That's good. All right, so let's wrap it up for this week's episode or this episode of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. Um, Ernest, you got any shout outs to the people? Um, like, I don't know. Hi, mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. Okay, and where where can people reach you at? Um. Twitter at Ernstylin, E-R-N-S-T-Y-L-I-N. There we go. Perfect. And, uh, Gary, how can people find you in Soviet Russia? And any shout-outs? Uh, shout-out to just my friends. Uh, they know who they are. I'm not gonna name all of them. But, uh, my family, 
and actually my doctor as well, who's helping me recover from my surgery. Ayas, how is your surgery, by the way? It went pretty good. I'm very bedridden, can't move around too much, but other than that, recovering pretty well. Oh, yes, and thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, even though you're bedridden and recovering from major surgery. (laughs) It is okay. Where can people reach you at? People can reach me on the email at gagwaush at gmail.com. That's G-A-G-L-A-U-S-H. Or you can reach me on PSU email at Gary, G-A-R-R-I, at PSU.com. Excellent. Some viewers, send him some love, some get well messages. And Glenn, the commissioner, any shout outs? Yes, I have a very special shout out and he probably won't hear it uh, because he's kind of young. I work at an elementary slash middle school and today I had, uh, I, I, excuse me, I'm a teacher's assistant there, but I also teach phonics and grammar. Um, I had a kid come to me today. And hand me a card and say, hey, Merry, May, uh, Merry Late Christmas, Mr. Glenn. I'm like, what? You got me a card? And I open the, uh, the card and inside it is a $20 PlayStation Store gift card. So that just blew my mind. I won't say his name because it's important to t- protect kids' privacy, mm-hmm. but <laughs> thank you so much. You are like the most awesome student ever. Um, special shout out to Gary who I didn't realize had just had surgery. Speedy recovery to you. You're right there, so I know you're hearing me. Um, (laughs) Other than that, shout out to Brittany, Amanda, Nathan, my friends, my family, my loved ones, all the little people, to Batman. To Batman. Who else? (laughs) (laughs) You put your own TV show very soon. To the Joker, to Two-Face, the Penguin. Thank you all. (laughs) To everyone. Um... And you guys can reach me on Twitter at... Oh, special shout-out to Major Nelson, by the way. My apologies. Good sir. <laughs> um, you can reach me on Twitter at goglen underscore, G-O-G-L-E-N-N underscore. Don't forget the underscore or poor, some poor fool with the name goglen is going to be very confused. Um, or you can reach me on my PSU email, glenn.gordon at psu.com. We should go throw this other Glenn. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go message him, message him right now. Like, ask him out on a date or something. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, Gary, that's, that's your job. Do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. And so uh, I want to say thank you again to the fans and viewers, especially everyone who is listening to this very first episode of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. Hopefully you liked it. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. You can reach me at Lasombra Files, L-A-S-O-M-B-R-A-F-I-L-E-S, or Dane.Smith at PSU.com. So if you would like to have a topic discussed on our show with our very diverse panel, tweet it at me, at Lasombra Files, and if it's good... If I like it, or if it's just crazy and awesome, we will discuss it on our next episode. As well, we have a little bit of a contest to see who are the greatest music gaming aficionados for the site. Uh, we had a little music. intro music song. We had an intro playing. Every episode will be a different song. So if you can tweet me at Files, tell me 
what the name of that song is. The game and the name of the song. And whoever gets it right first, we'll give a special shout-out to you on our next episode. All right. So that is it for this week's, this day's episode of the show. Thank you all for listening. Good night, good gaming, and don't be a racist.